brought to you by Hug House Productions. Please be advised the content of this podcast contains violence, murder, blood, smoking, alcohol, mentions of suicide, and driving sound effects. Please do avoid listening to this in a car. We also swear a whole lot, so there's that. So, if my timeline's correct, Shinji, you're on a boat going to the rendezvous point. Well, not directly. No. The smugglers took me to the hidden shore of another island, about an hour away from Toshima. They jumped on the docks, and a really fat man welcomed them with a hug. He had some sort of permanent smile on his face, the, you know, like when anxious people smile for no reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was like that. So I go... I meet him, we shake hands, and he takes me to his uh, weirdly fancy car, which was, you know, reassuring in a way, because it meant that those people were fairly connected, right? Wealthy. I waved goodbye to the boat guys, and, I mean, the road continued. I fell asleep immediately. It took me a couple weeks after that to get to Mexico. Yeah, we'll get to that. And you, Talia. Honestly, until I met you, my trip was pretty chill. Just one boat straight to Mexico and then a few days walking to the rendezvous point. But you spent a night talking to a goddess before moving on, so I want to hear all about that. Well, she hates movies. What? You talk about movies? With a goddess? She knows what they are? She was in my head. She knew everything I've seen and experienced in my life until that point. And why the hate? Oh, because, um, how did she phrase it? She said she said that the church had always been the most influential actor in the history of the United States. So when cinema appeared, they were the one with enough money and power to control production, distribution, censorship, everything. And basically what happened is they picked a young film star, groomed him to become this sort of holy figure, and the whole nation got to see it. Their faith ignited at once, and that's how we ended up with the Holy Emperor movies. Wait, you had a TV in your village? Yeah, it was the countryside, not the 18th century. We had internet. Oh, okay. So you just talked about movies all night? No, no, no. Of course. I I did ask about our past and it was incredible. She made me walk the path of my ancestors and I wore their armors. I've, I've heard them speak and sing and joke. and We had jokes, man. Stuff I've never heard before. Play on words and turn of phrases that meant there was a love and a pride for this language I've only heard in whispers before. In in fear and supplication. And we built an empire. We built pyramids. And we celebrated ourselves every day. That must have been beautiful. It really was. But once the morning came, I felt so distant from last night. I had been through centuries in a matter of hours, and I wasn't quite sure who I was. I, I recalled what happened to me like they were just another vision, and it's in that state that the path found me. Walking around the ruins, hallucinating. He took me in, laid me down in one of their truck, and we drove away. They gave me food, water, and those folks are pretty silent, aren't they? Well, the less we know about them, the less we can reveal if we get caught. It only makes sense. Yeah, all they explained to me is that I had to be extracted, and they'd take me to a transport. 
I spent a couple days in that moving truck just piecing back together who I was, and when I was done, I hadn't cried once. My parents died, and I never got to mourn them. Well, that's sad. <laughs> right, yeah, I guess I'm, I'm really ruining the comedy special right now. Um, well, life sucks, what do you want me to say? But friends make it better? Absolutely not. You tried to kill me, and remember that time Shinji fucked a warlock? Okay. <laughs> yeah, that was mad. Yeah? Look, everything turned out fine. Yeah, we almost died like three times. Because you never listen to me. Just, you know, forget it. It's fine. Just, you've spent a few days on the path, you're minutes away from getting on the boat to Europe. What, what happens next? Okay, well, we were, um, imagine the edge of a jungle. Trees, centuries old, branches high above claimed by bats and monkeys, and a ground only panthers dare to step on. That's where a little group of refugees had to cut through. A green spider web the size of a state. Imagine a hunched figure making its way in the night, followed by a dozen more, almost tiptoeing. We had deviated from our initial route because the rendezvous point had been compromised, and we had to readjust a day before extraction. I knew it was only a matter of time before Crusaders found us, because I was leading them straight to us. Anyone tuned to spiritual energy felt what happened in the ruins. Now, I don't know how priests can locate sources of energy like that, but I knew they could, so I kept that quiet. If I told anyone else that I carried a goddess with me, they would have ditched me on the curb first thing. Luckily, the path doesn't like to talk. Our guide was pressing us forward when we suddenly heard a gunshot echo through the night. A few of us looked back, and I heard some quiet swearing, and the mother grabbed her child a little closer. I just kept going. We rushed out of the jungle and reached a beautiful beach, a perfect arc of sand by the sea, where a transport awaited. The boat wasn't really reassuring, it was all cutting angles in dark steel, efficiency over grace, but radiated across the Atlantic. We got knee-deep into the water, and sailors immediately started ushering in our little group. One hand kept on their rifles. Our guide told them we didn't have much time, and one of the sailors asked how many were after us. The guide said, too many. And right on cue. <laughs> The blood shield deployed immediately, but this time it felt different. This time it took all the air from my lungs and punched me in the throat. I felt a cold whisper on my forearms and realized I was draining myself. And I had no idea how to stop it. The crusaders emerged from the forest and started firing away. Sailors took cover whoever they could, but my group didn't have to. As long as I stood behind the shield, they were safe. But it took them a few seconds to realize, and I didn't know for how long it could sustain it. I just felt the cold spread through my veins. And then a woman jumped from the bridge of the boat, landing right by my side. And she saved everyone's lives, ladies and gentlemen. A blue shine from the moon on her dark skin, hair flowing over her shoulders like the waves at her feet, and she held her dagger like an extension of her own arm. Yeah, you know what I saw? It was epic. I saw a dumbass with a big pointy bone the size of a spear, jump into the line of fire while professional psychopaths were shooting at us. And, and, and with the most arrogant superhero smile, she said, I'll take it from here. The beach was slowly turning into a battlefield. More crusaders had emerged and took positions behind rock formations or hidden within jungle shadows. Behind Elios' shield, I threw my spear with a mighty cry. 
mighty. Shut up. The soldier I aimed for stepped aside and the spear dug into the sand behind him. I saw him smile before firing again. I pulled back my arm and the spear jumped out of the sand and impaled his back. With her hand she whipped the air and the dagger flew off again. She was dancing and the blade followed her lead, leaving a trail of death on its path. The sailor stopped firing, completely mesmerized, and once done she just opened her palm and the spear flew back to her. The threat gone, my shield disappeared, and I took a deep breath, overwhelmed with relief, and I asked, My name's Talia. I am... My Spanish isn't very good. The cry of a sailor interrupted us. The man fell to the sea, a burning dagger through his throat, and a lone silhouette walked out of the jungle. No haste in its movements. Inquisitor. The sailor started shooting and bullets rained all around the priest, but not one touched him. And that wasn't luck, that was a power we didn't understand and something we've never seen before. He was untouchable. It felt like we were just doomed. And the Inquisitor whispered something under his breath and another dagger flew from his sleeve. The blade pierced the sailor's torso and the smell of burning flesh rose in the night. A second dagger, its steel on the edge of melting, immediately found the heart of another man. And a third quickly followed, to ricochet against my shield. I fell to my knees immediately. It felt like being cut from the waist down. The blood drained so quickly I couldn't feel my legs at all. The rest of the crew was frantically trying to start the boat and I saw the priest frown then raise his arms to the side. He looked up to the heavens and started praying. He's going to sink the boat. Don't move. I threw my blade and he just... caught it? He didn't even stop his whispers, he just moved aside and his palm closed on the blade. And it burned between his hands. In a burst that should have blown his face off, but instead wrapped around him like a mantle. Then went out. And I felt this... Rage engulfed me. It was like, how dare he? A mere servant, and he dared to stand against me, the chosen one of an old god. Before I'd realize, I'd jump forward ready to strangle him with my bare hands or something. I would have raised an army from down below. I would have called upon the ghost resting between the jungle roots. But I never did. I got her ankle and pulled her back. She had barely stepped outside the shield the priest had stopped his incantation and threw his last dagger. The blade bounced against a surge of blood with a thundering sound, and for me everything went dark. I think that's when I woke up, when fear overpowered whatever arrogance Sammy had infused me with. Nothing can prepare you for power. When the lines between God and mortal start to blur, you feel as if nothing can take you down. And as I looked back at the priest, I knew it was exactly how he felt. The same zealotry. I saw him move a hand and I immediately jumped to the side. The daggers all flew back to him and one of them missed me by an inch. I knew the trick. I heard Elio fall into the water and I pulled him out, trying to bring him to safety. It was a stupid move in retrospect. It just made us both easy targets, but the boat was finally starting and we were so close. Still, we'd all be dead if it wasn't for the flash of light in the sky. I saw a hooded figure slowly descend on the beach. 
The priest hid his daggers back in his sleeve and felt his knees, eyes wide open in marvel. And he said, I am blessed to bask in your presence, Lord Angel. The figure lowered itself, its white cloak unstained, almost shining on its own. Have you come to join our crusade? And I shot him. I startled in the water and dragged Elio to cover. Two sailors hoisted him up to the bridge while the angel's wings gracefully took him to us. Hands raised. I saw the sailors aim their rifles, and with a confidence I didn't have, I ordered, Stop there! His wings disappeared, and he fell into the water. I pulled back my hood, and I saw you all perk up in surprise. What are you? Uh... Japanese? That's it for our show this week, people. A rather short episode because we've run into some time constraint, but we'll be back to our 15-12-minute format in the next episode. In the meantime, thank you so much for listening. And if you'd like to know more about the shows and updates, you can follow us on Twitter. We've just created a handle at Desperado Radio. That's Desperado underscore radio. And we'll be posting about our upcoming episodes and fan art. So go give us a follow and, hey, stay safe, okay? Bye.